Okay, our reading for today is 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Um, In this chapter, Paul gives some stern warnings to the Corinthian church. Not (laughs) this this deep into the letter, you're not surprised by that. Um, You know, he's addressed several different matters um, in in uh, in the previous chapters. He's kind of jumped from topic to topic, and and he'll continue that that trend here and in in the next chapters, but. Uh, here he's going to pause for just a bit in chapter 10 uh, to lay uh, on them, again, just the seriousness of obedience and following Christ earnestly and wholeheartedly. So let's think about a couple of things uh, we find early in the chapter. <clears throat> just two things we'll think about this morning. Um, and the first is this. There's a phrase that uh, theologians of long ago uh, used to use you may still hear it from time to time and it had to do with what they called improving your baptism improving your baptism Uh, what in the world did they mean by that I I think in the early verses of this chapter verses 1 through 6 it it provides a helpful illustration of what they meant by that let's think briefly about verses 1 through 6 now let's just we'll just read it again I, I want you to know brothers that our fathers were all under the cloud and they passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in uh, in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ nevertheless with most of them God was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness now these things took place as examples of for us that we might not desire evil as they did all right so uh, let's just talk about those verses for just a minute in 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 that warning paul as you heard begins by taking them back to the old testament israelites who died in the wilderness after they were redeemed out of slavery in egypt Uh, in describing that event paul says that those israelites in verse 2 were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. What in the world does Paul mean uh, by that? Well, he uses baptism figuratively there. Paul is saying that when God, through Moses and through Moses' staff, when God, through Moses and his staff, separated the waters of the Red Sea and and thereby the Israelites passed through the waters as on dry ground, even though technically they didn't even get wet, (laughs) They were, as they passed through the waters in that way, that was, it was sort of a baptism. They came through the water of the Red Sea and came out in the wilderness, now, mark, uh, now marked out by that baptism, as it were, as being God's treasured people. And they were now to walk in obedience to his commands. He would be their God and they would be his people. Now, Paul explicitly says in verse 6, that, that last verse that we read, these things took place as examples for us. What, what things does he specifically say are to be an example to us? Exactly this, that after their baptism, uh, figuratively, in the Red Sea, they proceeded to walk in utter and blatant disobedience to and disregard of the Lord. Paul says in verse 5, With most of them God was not pleased, for they were overthrown, that is, they died, in the wilderness. They didn't improve their baptism in other words meaning they didn't continue to 
live out what their baptism in the Red Sea marked them out to be. Their baptism, that passing through the Red Sea, marked them out as uniquely be belonging to the people of God, or as being the people of God, belonging to the Lord. But their actions, after that fact, belied that fact and showed that they were not truly born again or regenerate. And the same, Paul says, is true for us. Again, those things took place as examples to us. Even We, even today, can improve our baptism first by realizing what it meant and second by living our lives according to that. Um, our baptisms, when we first came to faith in Christ, marked us out to, 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 to God and to ourselves and to the public, marked us out as, uh, as, as belonging to the people of God and as being born again. Uh, the way we improve on that is to live according to what it represented. Live as though you are born again and belong to the people of God. Our lives can prove the truth of what our baptisms represented, or they can uh, prove it to have been a lie and actually add to our guilt. And thus, Paul gives the admonition in verse 12, therefore, uh, let, let anyone who thinks uh, that he stands take heed lest he fall. Temptation comes to every believer, uh, but verse 13 famously says that uh, God uh, always provides a way of escape and equips and sustains us in every temptation. Those Israelites came through the waters of baptism in the Red Sea, but fell willfully to temptation in the wilderness. And Paul says, don't be like them. Improve your baptism. And that's a good admonition to us um, in the New Covenant as well. The last thing we'll, we'll mention from, uh, from this, this uh, passage in the verses right after that um, has to do with idolatry and grumbling. Um, so when I read this chapter, one thing that, that, um, that struck me was the mention of grumbling in verse 10, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Uh, well, the reason that stuck out to me is because it's it's in the middle of a, of a list of what we might implicitly consider really serious sins. Like he says, he mentions sexual immorality in verse 8 and warns against that. He mentions putting Christ to the test in verse 9 and warns against that. Those are two pretty serious sins, we think. And then in verse 10, the very next verse, he says, don't grumble. <laughs> Wait a minute, grumble in a, in a list with sexual immorality uh, and, and putting Jesus Christ to the test, grumbling? I mean, we wouldn't temp typically put grumbling and complaining in the same list of serious sins like those other ones. But Paul does, and he even tells us why. Uh, notice what bookends, as it were, this passage, what, how, how it begins and ends. In, in verse 7, at the beginning of this passage, um, he begins with the warning, do not be idolaters as some of them were. And then he begins the list of sins. Afterwards, on the other end, uh, on the other bookend in verse 14, he repeats the warning, therefore, my beloved, flee from, from idolatry. So this, this, this list begins and ends with warnings against idolatry. So that leads me to believe that all of those sins listed in between those bookends, sexual immorality, 
putting Christ to the test. Yes, grumbling are each examples of the same larger issue, namely idolatry. So how is grumbling and complaining idolatry? Well, it's easy to see, actually. When we grumble and we complain, what are we actually doing? We are elevating our own preferences and our own desires to the standard of all things. What is that? That's idolatry. It's idolizing ourselves, idolizing our own desires, our own preferences. And when you find a habitual grumbler and complainer, you find one who loves himself to excess and idolizes his own wants and desires. And, 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 and if you want to see someone like that, and this is true of all of us, we might want to begin by looking in the mirror. So think about this the next time you're tempted to grumble or complain. It's, it's uh, truly remarkable how high on the list of serious sins it is in the Bible. And there are a lot of other things that we could see from this great chapter of 1 Corinthians 10. Uh, but whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And those are just a couple of thoughts from 1 Corinthians chapter 10.